0: Get your Bible, if you will, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to stand in just a moment as we read the Word of God together. I had previously been in a series on uh, Blessed, called Blessed, and, and I just want to brag on our church family because so many people are trusting God in new ways financially, and our finance team was just letting me know that. and They're not telling me names and amounts, but they're telling me. I know names and amounts only if you tell me, but um, I don't get into all those details, I, you know, I see the big picture, but, um, but they were telling me I had so many, so many Pathway families trusting God in new ways, stepping out in new ways. I just want to brag on you and say thank you for trusting God, for hearing from God, for stepping out, and I'm praying that God bless and increase you more and more. Uh, today is a different message, though, and so I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and let me tell you what's going on, and then we're going to stand as we read God's word together. Because we like to honor the Word of God. Uh, In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, it's known as the Olivet Discourse. Um, So there are five discourses in Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous. It is the first one. But uh, there are five. And then the last one is the Olivet Discourse. It's Matthew 24 and 25. And what is going on? It's Passion Week. This is before, this is the week that Jesus is going to be crucified. Uh, they are. He and the disciples are actually leaving Jerusalem and going towards the Mount of Olives. Um, and the disciples are commenting about what we typically, it's many times referred to as Herod's temple. Herod didn't actually build it. It was rebuilt. You know, it was built by Solomon. It was destroyed. Um, and then it was rebuilt kind of under Zerubbabel and those guys. Uh, his contemporaries, um, and then uh, Herod, though, comes to power, and also it's kind of confusing. There are m- many Herods, but this in particular would be, um, you know, Herod the Great, but there were, and, and then his descendants, and, and we won't get into all that, but they're taught, it's known as Herod's Temple because he expanded it. He's the one who actually built what we know as the Western Wall, which was really a retaining wall. And so he expanded the temple, and so it's sometimes called Herod's Temple, and he improved it. And he did that to get on the good side with the Jews, kind of a long story. But they're, they're commenting about how extraordinary it is, how beautiful it is. And Jesus says, hey guys, it is beautiful, but not one stone is going to be left standing upon any other stone. He's like, hey, it's, it's, it's all coming down, which we know actually happened when, the Rome, when Rome invaded uh, Jerusalem uh, and destroyed everything in 70 A.D. And so he's telling them that, and that starts an inquiry by the disciples when they hear him talking about everything being destroyed. And And they said basically, you know, three questions they asked. They said, when will these things happen, and what is the sign of your coming, and what is the sign of the end? And uh, he basically answers those questions in Matthew chapter 24. So they're basically asking about the end times, you know, and he gives some signs. He said, no one knows exactly exactly you know, when when I'm gonna return. Now they saw his return differently than we understand his return because they didn't know they really did not understand the Messiah dying and rising again. That was still foreign to them. It didn't make sense till afterwards right? Um, and so they were thinking, when are you going to come into power? Uh, for us, we understand that's the second coming. Christ is coming again. And so he says, no one knows the time that I'm going to come again except the Father. But then he gives some signs of the times. And by the way, if you're wondering, I, I think we are watching a sign of the times because it talks about wars and rumors of wars and all these different things. But if you're watching what's going on in Israel right now, to me, this is a sign of of the returning of the Lord being nearer than it was. And you need to understand, God sets His watch by Jerusalem. That is His people, right? Israel is His people and He sets His watch by them. And let me just say something now because I am so frustrated with our media and with many believers. Let me explain something to you. Israel was minding their own business as usually is the case and they were attacked by Hezbollah and Hamas, by terrorist groups who hide themselves among normal citizens. Okay? And they attacked Israel, and Israel has to defend itself or they will be destroyed. And you're essentially talking about Israel's about the size of the state of Illinois. So it's not a huge landmass. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but our media will portray this as though Israel's the bad guys and Israel's the one causing all the problems in Palestine and these poor Palestinian people are being killed by Israel. And you need to understand Hamas and Hezbollah will not let civilians leave buildings. They keep women and children as human shields to make Israel look bad. And Israel is actually warning people saying, get out, we're going to attack, get out, we're going to bomb this area and Hamas and Hezbollah keep them there so they can show you footage and make and some of it's a lot of it's fabricated about civilian casualty and blame Israel. And we have a lot of ignorant people in our country because that's being shown on Instagram and social media and they think Israel's a bad guys. Here's the question you have to ask yourself if Israel put down their guns, what would happen? Israel would be destroyed. But if Hamas and Hezbollah put down their guns, what would happen? There would be peace. And that tells you what you need to know. Okay. Now, just so we're clear, and by the way, we stand with Israel no matter what. You hear what I'm saying? That's God's people, and we stand with Israel, and we will pray with Israel, and we will stand with Israel, and most of what you're informed about Israel is not even true. So there you go. But it is a sign (laughs) <laughs> that Jesus is going to return. Listen, we don't, we don't say this nearly enough anymore. But you need to understand, Jesus is coming back. And that's really what he talks about in Matthew 24. He's coming back and there are some signs to his coming. And how we get to Matthew 25 is then he, he talks, he answers their questions like, here are the signs and yes, I'm coming again. And then he transitions into, so you need to be ready. Think about that. Let me ask you a question. If you knew Jesus Christ was coming back this afternoon, would you have lived differently this week? And if you knew Jesus Christ was coming next Sunday, would you live differently next week? Because what Jesus is really trying... To make the point is we should live that way every day because we do not know exactly the time or the day when Jesus Christ is coming back, but He is coming back. And so in Matthew twenty five he starts and he tells this parable of these ten virgins, five who were prepared and five who were not. And then he transitions to what we know is the parable of the talents. And again, the context: what is the context? Being prepared for Christ return are you with me so with that stand with me we're going to read a good portion of scripture I'm going to read a lot of scripture but I don't want you to complain never complain because we read so much scripture because if you went to an all-you-could-eat steak buffet you would not complain that they're giving you know have you ever been to those Brazilian steakhouses where you have a little green card don't you thank God for those places I get the meat sweats when I go. Are you with me? I like, I eat so much meat that I hurt. But I never complain when they want to give me more meat. You know, because I'm there for that reason, right? So we don't want to complain for having too much scripture. We're here for this reason. Praise the Lord. Y'all see how I did that. So Matthew 24, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like... So there again, he's saying again, he's teaching about his kingdom. It's different from the earth. But he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods... And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one according to his ability. And immediately went on his journey. And then the one who received five traded and he turned the five talents into ten talents. And likewise, the one that received two traded, and he, was, he, he gained two more, meaning he turned two into four. But the one that received one dug a, dug a hole in the ground and put the one in the ground. He put his Lord's money in the ground. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts with them. So he, he said to the one that received five and brought five others, and he said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. And he said to them, well done. Now, I want you to know that's not how he's saying you should eat steak. Like, we want to hear these words unless you're talking about how to cook steak. And then it's medium rare. Everybody say medium rare with me. That's right. It needs to move a little bit when you cut it. He said, well done. Everybody say these, these three words. Good and faithful. Right. Well done, good and faithful servant. You, will faith, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then the one that is received two, the same thing happens. He said, I received two, but now I have four. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Verse 24. Then the one who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, repaying where you, you don't sow, gathering where you do not scatter seed. I was afraid. And I hid your talent in the ground. Look. Here is what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I didn't sow, and I gather where I didn't scatter seed, so you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. And at least it would have gained some interest. And every banker said, Praise the Lord, Amen. He said, So take the talent from him. Look at this. Look at verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. Now look at verse 29. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Today, this was the the title the Lord I felt like gave me finally after much deliberation. (laughs) The Multiplication Expectation. That's what I want to talk to you about today, the multiplication expectation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, we have gathered here to meet with you and to hear from you. And as we open the word, open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes. Lord, let us receive the word today and let it transform our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. The the, uh, multiplication expectation. The last few probably a month or so, I've been talking to the staff about multiplication and about the fact that God has called us to multiply. Now, before you say, I don't know, has he called us to multiply or not? Let me help you with some with some Bible verses. Um, see, before we can say something like God expects us to multiply or God calls us to multiply, I don't think you can just randomly say things unless there's Bible and verse and scripture and precedent and all those things. Does that make sense? But I want let's just think through the Bible. And this is what I do. Usually when I'm asking a question, most of the messages we get are because I ask questions and then I figure out what the answers are supposed to be. And that's how the Lord speaks to me sometimes. But when I said, Lord, have you really called us to multiply? Because what the Lord really began to speak to me about Pathway Church is, Marty, I've called you to multiply. I've called you to multiply. I've called you to multiply. So I'm talking to the staff. He's called us to multiply. And I thought, well, have you called us to multiply? So to me, I, I do a scripture test where I run through scripture. What does scripture say? Well, let me run through scripture really quickly. Genesis, what's the first thing God tells man? Be fruitful in, right? Um, Noah, what does God tell Noah? Be fruitful in. If you don't know the answer, it's the same thing he said in Genesis. All right? (laughs) Be fruitful and multiply, right? Uh, He does not say subdue or take dominion, but that has to do with the fact that Adam had lost the Spirit of God, and it's by the Spirit of God that we subdue and take dominion, which is why Christ came back. But he still tells Noah to Be fruitful and multiply. That's a different sermon. What does he tell Abraham? In blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Isaac multiplies, Jacob multiplies. Deuteronomy verse 6 God says, If you obey my commands, you will multiply. That's to all of Israel. All right. And then we can continue on. David expands kingdoms, Solomon reigns, you know, all these things happen. But you get into the New Testament. Let's jump into the New Testament, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Does that sound like multiplying? Right? What about John 15? In this your father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Would we all say that when one seed is put into the ground becomes a plant or a tree that produces much, 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 much fruit? Isn't that multiplication? The parable of the seed and in the, in the soils, if you will, the scattering of the seed, Matthew 13. It says he scattered the seed, it went into the good ground, it produced a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Jesus said, those who follow me and give up lands and family, will I not give them 30, 60, and 100 fold. It sounds to me like there's a theme running through the Bible that God is a multiplier that God multiplies, God calls us to multiply, and God expects us to multiply. Now, here's what happened. I think in 2020, because of the trauma that our world went through, and and all of a sudden we, we were shut in, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of trepidation, a lot of timidity, right? And all of a sudden the world shut down, and I think our mindset shifted. Because to multiply, you have to think multiply. Are you with me? But when you start thinking, play it safe, maintain what I have, hang on to what I've got, make it till the end, occupy till I come, that's a different mindset than let's go and increase and expand and take over. Those are not fundamentally the same thing. Trying to hold on to what I have and trying to increase are not the same mentality. Are you with me? And I'm afraid in the church, we've gotten into an occupy, hold on mentality. I grew up in a church that had this mentality and it drove me crazy. We had things called testimony services. Has anyone been to a testimony service? Ours were were not glorifying to God. They were confusing. I remember being a kid and they'd say, we're just going to have a time of sharing testimony. We called it testimony service. And I remember people would stand up and I couldn't tell if we were praising God or praising the devil. It was hard to tell the difference. And they would say something like, you know, I just want to praise God for his faithfulness. You know, this week my husband left me, the dog got run over, the car blew up, my son, you know quit college or dropped out of school but I just want to pray that I can hold on till the end and my thought was that didn't feel encouraging to me in fact I'm not sure you should hold on I'm thinking let go sister if that's all you got to live for just let go and let God are you are you with me but it was that I want to hold on till the end. I don't want to hold on to the end. I want to win until the end. Are you with me? I want to overcome, increase, multiply, take over. And when Jesus comes, I want him finding a servant that multiplied, not one that maintained. Yeah. Are you with me? But, Pastor, you got to change your mind. Like if you're, if you're in business and you're trying to maintain, you got to change your mind. If you're in a relationship and you're trying to maintain, you got to change your mind. See, there's a principle, remember what he said, to him who has, more will be given, and to him who doesn't do anything with what he has, it will be taken away. You remember how we read that, verse 29? There's a principle in this passage, and I don't have time to teach it, I'll just give it to you in theory, or just in summary, but it's this, you either, you either grow or you die, you either increase or you lose, but you don't maintain it's how the kingdom of God works. You don't maintain a relationship. You deepen it, you grow it, you develop it, or it starts working backwards, right? You don't maintain a business. You move it forward or you start losing accounts. You don't maintain your relationship with God. You grow and you deepen it or it starts moving backwards. People, Many times when people wake up one day and they're like, man, I'm so far away from the Lord. How did I get far away from the Lord? Because you tried to hang on to where you were at and you didn't grow your relationship with God anymore. It's the principle of grow or die. And so you need to understand, pathway, I'm offering and what the Lord is speaking and what I'm talking about today is we need to shift our thinking from just holding on and watching church online and maybe trying to make it when we can and and that kind of thing to, no, 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 we are here to take over. We are here to multiply until he comes, not occupy until he comes. Are you with me? So I really only have one point, but I have two points. So I have two points of this message. They're essentially the exact same point. I feel like sometimes redundancy is necessary. Are you with me? So write this down. Point number one, I always like for you to bring a pencil and paper. You can do it on your phone. Pencil and paper, I think, is better. But write down. We're going to take notes because we want to get the most out of our time. And what we know scientifically is if you just listen, you'll get about 10% of what I say. But if you take notes, you get about 50 to 60% of what I say. Okay? Write this down. God expects us to multiply. God expects us to multiply. Let's review the parable. Would you would you want to do that? Let's review. So in the parable, we have three servants. That represents the totality of all of his servants. And the first two, one is given, how many? Everybody say it? Five talents. The next one is given. Everybody say it? Two talents. All right. And the last one's given. One time. Let's talk about the first two because categorically they fall in this category of multiplication. All right. So the first, the first one that receives five. When Jesus or the Lord in this parable, when the Lord returned, he had received five. How many did he give back to him? How many did he have? All right. The next one had received two. And when the Lord returned, how many did he have? That's right. He, he'd, he, had, he, had, he had turned two into four and five into ten. What is common in that? It is a multiplier. It's, a, it's, a, it's doubled, right? It's multiplying by two. Do you see that? Right? He didn't just add one. We see multiplication in, in it. Do you see the multiplication? Right? So, for the one that multiplied five by two and got ten, so he doubled it, he got ten. For the one that had two and doubled it, it got four. The Lord or Jesus telling the parable Gives a word to explain and describe what these two have been with what they were given. Everybody want to say that word? They were faithful. Do you see that? So he looks to those who multiplied what they were given. Doubled what they were given. And he says good and faithful. In other words, he says multiplying what I gave you is faithful. Everybody, right? Let's talk about the one that had one. He gets scared. He goes out. He buries it. He puts it in the ground. The Lord comes back. He said, hey, you know, here's what you gave me. I'm giving you what is yours. Now, when he returns to the Lord what he had been given without losing any of it, in the parable, the Lord has a word to describe this. The word, remember what it was? wicked so let's review (laughs) according to Jesus in this parable the context is being ready for the return of Christ he says if you multiply what I give you you're faithful if you maintain what I give you you're wicked is that what we just read Is that what's in your Bible? Pastor Marty doesn't have a special version? No. Let's review. Multiply according to the kingdom of God. To Jesus, this is kingdom math, everybody. Kingdom math in session. Thank God it's not common core. Amen. Multiply equals faithful. Maintain equals wicked. I want you to think about this because Pathway, I want you to get this. What Jesus is saying is when I return, if you give back to me what I gave to you, you're wicked. And when I return, if you take what I've given you and you multiply it, you're faithful. Now, see, I would say in Christian today, because it's not just talking about money, it's talking about life, right? Now, I think it applies to money. I think God wants us to multiply and increase in every way. Um, but I want you to think about this because I would say in the body of Christ today, and people who claim to be Christian. Well, first of all, let's just be honest. About half of those who claim to be Christian aren't. You know, it's a pop culture title. They've identified as Christian because that's the best alternative, I guess, for them. Let's, let's can, can we just be honest? Okay, let me explain what the Bible calls a Christian. The Bible calls a Christian someone who has died to themselves completely and follows wholeheartedly the teachings of Jesus to the letter. That's what the Bible calls a Christian, right? What our culture calls a Christian is someone who's prayed a prayer or been baptized and they ask Jesus to follow them around and bless what they do. So what the Bible calls a Christian is someone who follows the ways of Jesus and what our culture calls a Christian is someone who professes a faith in Jesus and asks Jesus to follow their ways and make it work out. Fundamentally, those are not the same thing. Jesus didn't say, I have come to follow you. He said, if any man comes to follow me, let him take up his cross, right? Let him die every day. Okay, I can tell this is an exciting point in the message. So, anyways, the point I'm making, I just think there's a lot of people that claim to be Christian and aren't. Uh, we're looking for Christ followers, and according to the Bible, repentance bears fruit, righteousness bears fruit, following Jesus bears fruit. If you don't have any fruit that looks like a Christ follower, you're not following Christ. Okay, well, we <laughs> praise the Lord. Went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? Anyways, but here's what I, here's, here's the part that's concerning me. A lot of people who are believers today, they think the goal is just to get to heaven. In other words, they think the goal is to receive salvation so that if Christ comes or if I pass away or whatever the case may be, I go to heaven. They think that's the game. So let's pay attention to the kingdom math again. Because he said to the one where he gave him one and he returned to him what he had been given. What did he call that? So to a person who receives salvation for themselves, doesn't do anything with it, but just try to get to heaven. When they get to heaven, what do you think they're going to hear? It's not going to be faithful because they returned one for one. So there are a lot of believers today that they think the name of the game is, I just pray a prayer, I get baptized, whatever the case may be, and I go to heaven and that's the win. And you're going to arrive in heaven and Jesus is going to say, you're so wicked, lazy. By the word wicked in the Greek means you didn't do anything with what I gave you. See, I want to change the game up a little bit because I think there's a lot of people just playing to maintain a relationship with God and try to get to heaven. And you think that's the win because someone told you that was the goal. The goal was to get your ticket to the bus ride to heaven and make sure you don't miss it. And what I'm afraid is a lot of people are going to ride up there and be really, really disappointed to find out they thought they won and Jesus thought you lost. Because what he says is showing up with what I gave you is wicked. Multiplying what I give you is faithful. Now, I I, I want you to understand this. Let me, let me let me tell you a story. So, if I let's just say there was a father and the father had two sons to the first son. He says, son, I'm, I'm you know, I own this company and um, I'm about to go. It's, it's about time for my retirement. I'm going to retire in a few years and I'm going to go travel a little bit and try to determine where I want to retire ultimately. And so I want you to stay here, be faithful, but I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars, and I want you to watch over this and be faithful with it. And then he calls in his other son. Same thing, going away, leaving you and your brother here. I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. I want you to be faithful with it. And the father goes away. Let's just say he's away ten years, twelve years, something like that, exploring the world, trying to figure out where he wants to retire. He comes back after that long journey, and he he talks with his first son. He says, "Hey, son, I'm back now. I think I've determined where I want to retire. It's in Hawaii. Praise the Lord. And um, aloha, ohana, it's all my people. Anyways." Um, but he says, um, what did you do with the $100,000 that I gave you? And his son said, well, I invested it, I worked, and ultimately I've turned that 100000 into a little over a million dollars. He said, man, that is so good, wonderful, I'm so glad. And to the second son, he says, son, what did you do with that $100,000 um, that I gave you? And he says, well, Dad... Uh, I I didn't want to lose your money. I was worried. I didn't want to make a mistake, whatever. And so I just went and put it in my safe, but I brought it back, and here's your $100,000. I didn't lose any of it. I'm giving you exactly what you gave me. And I think that dad says, son, sons, here's what you need to know. This was really the job interview for who was going to take over my company. And I wanted to see who was going to be faithful. And to this son, son... You were faithful. You took what I gave you and you increased it and multiplied it. And I've got good news. That money is now not mine. That's yours. And you're going to rule over my company. And son, unfortunately, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this. It breaks my heart because I wanted to bless you and reward you. So I gave you what you needed to be successful, but you didn't do anything with it. And so now I'm going to take that $100,000 back and I'm going to give it to him. And I'm so sorry, but now you're going to have loss and he's going to have gain for the rest of your life. That's essentially what Jesus is telling us. So you have to understand, what did we say last week about God? What did we learn last week about God? God is a rewarder, Hebrews eleven six. Right? So God's heart is never to take, it's to give. God's heart is to multiply. God's heart is to bless and God's heart is to reward. But God will not reward In this parable, what he calls wickedness, which is a maintenance mentality. He rewards multiplication. Now, here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. The Bible, eternity. Eternity is an open book test. You see, because Jesus told us this, we don't have to wait till eternity to find out we thought we were faithful and He thought we were wicked. We can find it out today. And because this, this is an open book test, we can understand now the definition of faithfulness. And we can understand what God wants to do in and through our lives and we can start passing the test today because Jesus Christ, what do we say? We're going to meet him one way or the other. Either he will return in our lifetime or we will pass and we will meet him in eternity. But we, here's what we all have in common. Listen to me. It is appointed under under man once to die and after that you meet Jesus or the judgment. And after that he makes a judgment about what you did with what he gave you. So all of us are going to stand before God. Here's the great news. I know what's on the test before I get there. And I can choose today that, okay, God, you can multiply me. You can increase me. And I want you to, please let me figure out how to multiply. I want to be faithful and you can pass and God can come back with a reward. In fact, check this out. It's such a great verse. Revelation 22 Verse 12, this is what Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and look at this, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. God wants To reward you. He is coming and he wants to bring you a reward. And church, we have to shift our mentality to understand trying to maintain our lives. And what God has given us to to Jesus. That is wickedness. But trying to multiply it and increasing to Jesus. That is faithful. Are you with me? So point number one, God expects us to multiply. Point number two, very deep point. Number two, we must multiply. I know you're amazed at how well I can put points up. I understand. Listen, that's what we see here is that we must multiply. Well, Pastor, what do we multiply? Well, here's the thing about talents. Talents, really, it's a way to measure. I'll, I'll maybe come back to that. But here's what the Bible tells us. God has given us all something. Do you know that? God has given us all something. His grace has bestowed something on us. And In fact, let me show you two verses. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing. Look, having gifts. He's talking to the church. Right? To the church in Rome, this. Paul talking. Having gifts. So everybody's got gifts. They're differing according to the grace that was given us. But let's use them. So here's what he said. Everybody has a gift. First Corinthians 12, by the way, he says everybody has a gift. 1 Peter 4.10, here's what Peter says. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received. So, so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we've received a gift. If you remember in the parable of the talents, it says, and he gave to each one. First Corinthians uses a similar word talking about how he set gifts in the body and he's given to each one a gift as he purposed, as he willed. So, so here's what the Bible tells us as God is so gracious. Let me ask you a question. In the parable of the talents, did these servants earn the talents they were given or receive the talents they were given? So God has given you something. He has given each one. So God has given you something. That's what we just read. God has given you a gift. He's given you a spiritual gift. He's given you ability. When, when we look at the Bible, Paul writes uh, to the Corinthians, to the Romans, and to the Ephesians, and he talks about gifts, right? So in Ephesians 4, he talks about pastors and apostles and teachers and evangelists. In First Corinthians 12, we typically call those the spiritual gifts. And and so in those gifts, uh, he, he talks about, you know, working, gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy. He talks about those. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 12, though, he gives a different list. And some of it is, overlapping with the other two, all of the lists have an overlap and all the lists have something the other lists do not have. What is the point of that? Because I don't believe Paul is giving us an exhaustive list. I think he is giving us an understanding that God by his grace has given us abilities. Are you with me? So like in Romans 12, verse six through eight, it says, having gifts differing according to the grace. We read that. It says, let us use them, and then he goes on. If it's prophesy, prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith, right? If it's ministry, then minister. In other words, and that word could also be administration, by the way. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's giving, give. In other words, I'm, no one ever talks about this, but you know, we've just come through a series talking about finances. Did you know there's a spiritual gift of generosity and giving? I will tell you this, some of the most blessed people I know are people that have that gift. So much so, I, I don't pray for patience, but I pray for that gift. Lord, give me the gift of giving, right? I've told the Lord many times, Lord, you know, we need several million dollars for this building to be completed. Lord, give me the money, I'll give it to the building. I won't keep it. I won't keep any of it. Just give it to me. I'll pass it along, right? Right? Because I want, to have, I want to have that gift of giving. But then, it's, then it, there's leadership and mercy and cheerfulness. And, and the point is that God has given us all a gift. He's given us all an ability. Because you could also put in here, there's the removing of tumors and the caring for patients and the teaching of children and the leading of business and the leading of community and political leaders. Yes, there could be. Crazy idea. But have you all been watching the new Speaker of the House? Somebody better say praise the Lord to have a professing believer in Christ who's not ashamed of his faith in that position and you don't think that was not an answer to prayer? Anyways, I don't mean to be rude, but y'all should be a little more excited about that. I'm just saying, if we ever talk about it again, be more excited. Okay. But the point is that God is given In fact, I asked God, I said, God, um, what have you given everybody that I could tell them you've given everybody? Well, the first thing is God's given you an ability. You could write that down. God has given me ability. Now, you may not know exactly what it is. One of my favorite life groups to hear about, we have a group of ladies in our church. They have a life group. It was started by a lady in our church. And uh, the life group, they gather, they have a little Devo, and then they sew dresses and ship the dresses to third world countries for little girls who can't afford dresses. So they said, you know, we, we're not wealthy. We, we, we may not can even go to these countries, but what we can do is we can sew and we can get materials donated and we can spend our time sewing dresses and then we can ship those dresses to countries where little girls need dresses. So come on, somebody, you have an ability. You may not know what it is. You may not understand it just yet, but you have an ability, right? Are you with me? Like when I was growing up, we didn't know what I was good at except talking. Look at me now. Come on, somebody. My mama used to say, son, be a lawyer or a preacher. Because either way, you just need to argue your point. I chose the more holy route. Nothing against lawyers at all. But I just this was the route I went. Praise the Lord. You know, some, some days I've thought maybe it's the wrong thing. But anyways, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but we all have some kind of ability. The next thing is we, we all have an influence. I don't know if you know this, but you have an influence. So it could be your life group. It could be your family. It could be your friends. But all of us have essentially a platform. My platform's easier to see because I'm standing on it. But you have a platform for the gospel too. You have a place for your gift too. You have a platform to use your gift. So you have an ability and you have um, an influence. And then God gives us opportunity. Right? Think about Daniel. Daniel was a, essentially a prisoner But he had the gift of administration. And God used Daniel to actually become essentially the the second in command over the largest empire of the world and to steward all their resources. So God, Joseph, I'm sorry, who did I say, Daniel? Well, Daniel helped other kings. He helped the Persian kings. But Joseph, that's what I'm talking about. Joseph and Pharaoh, yeah. See, I make mistakes too. Um. But do you see what, what God did with Joseph, right? I mean, he was sold in as a slave. He was a servant and God, yet yet he had the gift of administration and God gave him an opportunity and God gave him an influence and a place to use his gift and God multiplied and increased it. Do you see that? And you need to understand you're no different. You have an ability, you have an influence and you have an opportunity. I, it, it looks differently than mine, but it's the, the same in, in the way that it functions. Are you with me? And the 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 big idea is that God wants to take whatever that is and multiply it for his kingdom. Reviewing again. Multiplying in the parable of the talents was called faithful. Maintaining was called good. God wants you to multiply what he has entrusted and grace listen to me. Grace has given you something. Now here's the second thing you need to understand about grace that I don't think a lot of people understand. So we said in this parable of the talents, they did not earn the talents. They were entrusted with the talents. So that's grace, right? They didn't deserve them. They were given them, right? Most of the time when you ask people, what does grace mean? Many times they'll say salvation, undeserved favor, unmerited kindness. And those are all accurate, but they're not complete. According to the Bible, grace bestows, just like we're talking about, unmerited favor, blessing, those type of things. Grace certainly saves. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, right? It's not of works. It's a gift, right? So we know that. But did you know grace also empowers? Grace empowers. See, I want to make sure you understand this because if you're hearing this message and you think Pastor Marty is telling you to just try harder, that's not the message. The message is to actually trust more, not try harder. So that, that famous verse in Ephesians, let me show you this, Ephesians chapter 2. That famous verse, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. All right, so we, we've heard that. So there's that free unmerited grace of God, favor, right? But look at verse 10. For we as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we then would walk in. So you have to understand grace saves us, but one of, the ways, one of the things grace does is it empowers us to walk in purpose. It empowers us to multiply. It empowers us to, to use and multiply whatever God has entrusted to us. He said, yes, grace has saved you, but grace has also connected you back to your purpose, which is to be fruitful. Right? By this God is glorified that you bear much fruit. Are, are you tracking with me? And so I need you to understand that I'm not trying to say, church, let's try harder. I'm saying, church, let's trust more. And that you have to understand that grace actually empowers us. Let me give you a couple verses second corinthians 12 9 this is Paul talking he said each time he said God said to him my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness so look here at first time he said my grace second time he said my power but he uses them almost synonymously as though grace and power are the same thing and God is saying that 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 what or paul is saying what God said to him is my grace is sufficient my power works best so the grace he had given him was an empowerment to walk through the circumstances situation that he was walking through right do you see that which in his case was preaching the gospel even with opposition that's the context of this verse are you with me so God was giving him the grace to preach the gospel even when there was opposition so he wasn't telling Paul to try harder he was telling Paul to trust more are you with me like you don't don't hear the try harder hear the trust more Another verse, and this is Peter, Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So here I'm saying, Peter's saying the same thing, that grace is empowering us. Here's what I'm saying, listen to me, listen to me. If you're a teacher, the calling of God on your life is to Multiply. So ask yourself, what influence has God given me? Third graders. Praise the Lord for third graders, right? But God, how can I influence them for your kingdom, obviously within the laws of our land? How can I help them grow? How can I help them see you? And not only that, but how can I become a more innovative teacher? How can I come up with different ways to educate students that are more effective and more efficient? Because the anointing of God is on my life. The grace of God is empowering me for the place that God has put me to influence, to multiply, to even reach parents, to either reach staff and faculty. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm a doctor, I'm saying, God, you you blessed me to be a surgeon, but how can I be a better surgeon? What is is the calling on your life? Maybe I can develop different treatments. Maybe I can pray with my patients. What what is it? How is it that you're using this gift? I want to multiply. If I'm a lawyer and I've been trained and educated to fight for those that can't fight for themselves, God, who do I need to fight for? Who is your kingdom sending me to war? If I'm a business, man God you've entrusted me with a lot I've been entrusted with a business how do I multiply the business not maintain it not just occupy but no if I have the gift of giving or God you've anointed me for business how do I increase and expand and maybe how do I pour into other business leaders to help them increase and expand because the end because we want to expand the kingdom are you with me it's letting the grace of God work in and through your life oh I hope you're hearing what I'm saying so I'm not, trying, I'm not saying try harder. I'm saying understand, like the parable of the talents, that the grace of Jesus has bestowed something on you like a talent. See, I think the mistake, and I wonder if this guy made the same mistake, but I think some people don't think multiply because you, you get into the trap of comparing what you think you have with what someone else has. And, and you judge it as insignificant. Like, if you think about it, this guy got one, and the other guy got two, and the other guy got five. And wouldn't it be easy to say, well, I I didn't get five. I only got two. Well, if I had five, I could do something. But because I only have one, I guess i just dig a hole in the ground. Which was a cultural thing, by the way. You know know, what's crazy? Just because I know you... A lot of time during the week, you're sitting there and probably having bowls bowl of cereal with your wife in the morning. and You're saying, you know, honey, have you ever thought about biblical weights and measures and what those actually mean? I know that's a conversation you typically have. <clears throat> but do you know what a talent is, biblically speaking? It's a weight. It's a unit of measurement. It's about 75 pounds. Do you know what 75 pounds of gold would be today? Somewhere between two and three million dollars. In biblical days, do you know how this was kind of equated? One talent was equal to 20 years' salary. So sometimes we look at it and don't understand, and we think it's insignificant. But here's what I need you to hear. God and His grace has never given one insignificant gift to anyone. And whatever you have, by the grace of God, He views it as significant and valuable, and he sees it to have the potential to multiply. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, let me tell you a story. Um, this pastor I know was sharing this story. It's a great story, but uh, this years ago he's on a mission trip in Costa Rica, and he was meeting with the president of a Bible school in Costa Rica. And this president of the Bible school was telling him this story. And he said, you know, there was this Bible school student that we have here. And he said uh, when he came um, his first semester here, he said we had implemented a bless one another day every Friday because we wanted to teach our Bible school students to pray just like we did as a church, you know, recently. Pray, ask God, what do I need to give and to give it. And so he said, we'd ask the Bible school students to pray and ask God, what do you need to give and who do you need to give it to? And just bless someone with whatever the Lord put on your heart. And he said, you know, they don't have a lot. So sometimes it's an eraser or a pen or some shoelaces, but we want them to understand giving is not the, is not about the amount, it's about the heart. He said, so this semester, his first semester, we had this Bible school student and he had nothing. He was very, very poor. And he was very stressed because, like, I can't, give, I can't give my shoes the only pair I have. I can't give my shoelaces the only pair I have. I, I, I don't have extra pens or pencils. I don't have clothes. I don't know. And so he was talking to a professor. He's like, I don't know what to do. And he said, "Will you just pray and ask the Lord. Well, he prayed, and the Lord gave him an idea. Remember, not try harder. Trust the grace of God. He prayed, and the Lord reminded him that he had a job working on a peanut farm. And so he went to his boss who owned the peanut farm and he said, hey, I, I, I want to know how much would it cost to buy one peanut every week? And the boss said, what do you need that for? And he explained, bless one another day and all that. And, and so the guy that owned the peanut farm was a Christian. He said, I'll give you the peanut. And he said, no, 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 because if you gave it to me, then I wouldn't be giving it, you would be giving it. And and his the owner was so taken back at the wisdom and, and watching this young person, he said, absolutely. He said, I'll withhold the amount to purchase one peanut out of your pay every week. And you can have your paycheck and your peanut. Well, this, this went on. And um, the farmer expanded his farm and bought a new field, but it had rocks and it wasn't prepared. And he thought, I need someone to go watch over that field and prepare it and get it producing and he looked and he realized this Bible school student is my most faithful employee. So he went to him and he said, "I tell you what, if you'll go manage that field, I'll give you twenty-five percent of it. You get it, you get it clear producing. I'll give you twenty-five percent." And the Bible school student said, "Okay." So now, bless one another day. He's bringing bags of peanuts, bags of peanuts. Well, the the, the owner of the peanut farm gets ready to retire. And he just went to the young man. He said, hey, I I know you're more into Bible school and and all of that, ministry and all, but I just can't get past this. I'm I'm getting ready to retire and I would like to sell you my peanut business and I'll help you buy it. And he said, I'll take it. And he became the owner. This pastor who was telling the story was sitting with the president of the Bible college in, in present time. And he said, you know, I just met with that man. He said, the peanut became bags of peanut, became scholarships. And he started scholarshipping our Bible school students. He said, right now, do you know how many Bible school students we have? He said, no. He said, we have a little over 200. He said, do you know how many are on scholarship from that one man? He said, how many? He said, every one of them. He said, I just met with him last week and he said, hey, can you get some more students? I want to do more scholarships. And the president said, well, how many students, if I could get them, how many could you scholarship? He said, at least 2,000 a year. He's now a multi-millionaire. And he said, I thought God sent me to Bible school to be a pastor. But he said, God sent me to Bible school to take over a peanut business and send pastors all over our country. Now, the reason I wanted to share that story because sometimes we're guilty of saying things like, I don't even have peanuts. I want you to know whatever you have is from the Lord and it's by his grace. And if you'll step out and trust him, see... God expects us to multiply. God has called us to multiply. And if you're not careful, you'll attend Pathway Church and you'll think the serve team is about us trying to get people to do stuff so we can have church. No, the serve team is about you multiplying your influence. If you're not careful, you'll think we receive tithe and offering because we need your money. No, no, the tithe and offering is about multiplying what God has entrusted you with. If you're not careful, you'll think you'll think everything we do about here, you'll miss that life groups are about multiplication and, and outreach is about multiplication and gifting Christmas is about multiplication and the serve team is multiplication and, and tithes and offerings and those things are about multiplication and everything we're doing is about God's mandate and expectation that we multiply. And if God expects us to multiply, we should expect to multiply. So we should take the grace we've been given and look at our ability or that grace, find the opportunity, find the influence and release the gift that we have and watch God multiply so that when he returns, he looks at us and says, Hey, you are faithful. Amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus praise today? Why don't you stand with me? You guys are amazing. I love you so much. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. If you're here today and you're serving by praying for us, and I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, make sure you come and let us pray with you. But for right now, will you bow your heads with me? And i like for us to take a moment and pause at the end of every worship experience and just ask God what he's saying to us, what he's saying specifically to you. And I believe that God will speak to you. And so with your head bowed, will you take a moment and just ask God, God, what are you saying to me? take a moment. God, what are you saying to me? And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you'd speak to every person, whatever they need to hear from you. Speak to every person, God, whatever you need them to know from you. God, we just wait and we listen and we trust in you. God, I pray over all of us, Lord, show us what what you've entrusted us with that's valuable, God, that that we can increase, that we can multiply for your glory, for your kingdom. Lord, we we are and want to be faithful with what you've given us. And Lord, at Pathway Church, we just believe we're heading into our, our most fruitful season. God, help us to multiply, to reach more people, to love more people, to serve more people, to help more people, to bring the gospel to more people, to disciple more people, to encourage more people. Lord, I just can't wait. While we celebrate your faithfulness in this season, the 12 years we've been at this location, Lord, I just, I hear the words, from your prophet that say the, the glory of this next house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Lord, you move us from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, Lord, while we celebrate your faithfulness here, God, we celebrate how you've multiplied us here, Lord. God, we want to move with you and see you do even more in the days to come. So, God, we, it's not about trying harder. We just trust more. We just trust more. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise today? One more shout, clap, praise. God is so good.
1: Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected and there's several ways you can do that number one you can download the pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and if you do make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel and then also uh, make sure you follow us on social media on Instagram on Facebook look Our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.